Good morning. It is Tuesday, March 23rd. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. Fun day on tap in college football land. That's because it's Alabama's Pro Day. And you're going to say, whoa, why are you guys giving special coverage? The Alabama Crimson Tide Pro Day. My team didn't get any special coverage. And to that, I would say, is your team projected to have six first round picks? Because that's how many the Tide are slated to have in the latest mock draft from CBS Sports's Ryan Wilson. And again, if you have six, if you remember last year, that would exceed what LSU did in the 2020 draft when the Tigers had five. It would just be another check mark for the Crimson Tide as they try to prove their case that the 2020 team was the best ever. Listen to what Ryan Wilson has as far as Alabama players in the first round in next month's draft. Receiver Jalen Waddell, fifth overall to the Bengals. Heisman winner Devontae Smith, seventh overall to the Lions. Quarterback Mac Jones, eighth overall to the Jets. Sorry, Sam Darnold. Here comes Mac Jones. Cornerback Patrick Sertan, 12th overall to the Eagles in a mock draft trade. Defensive lineman Christian Barmore, 25th to the Jaguars in a mock draft trade. And running back Najee Harris, 32nd overall to the Super Bowl champ Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which would absolutely kill me because I have Ronald Jones in a keeper league in 24-7 sports' fantasy football challenge. So we're going to have Charlie Potter on from Bama Online to discuss all of that. And, and the SEC Network will, in fact, broadcast Alabama's Pro Day on Tuesday. And Charlie's a busy guy. We recorded this on Monday before Alabama tipped off in the second round against Maryland. If you're listening to this podcast right now, you know much more about the result than I do now. So hopefully for Alabama fans, it's a happy day and they're marching on to the Sweet 16. If not, well, they can at least enjoy what should be a pretty fun pro day. Before we get to that, and we will take a quick break before that, I got a promo to read. And it's even more March Madness coverage. The madness is underway, and you may be wondering, how do I actually watch all these games? What's on CBS? What's not on CBS? Where the heck is your favorite team if they're still standing? Relax. It's easy. Go to the CBS Sports app on your connected TV or phone. From there, you'll see every tournament game available to watch, whether it's on CBS or March Madness Live. Think of it like a gateway to all the action. So download the CBS Sports app now and never miss a minute of the NCAA tournament. I utilized the app a lot this past weekend. Out and about was at the gym checking scores on on the app and then the march madness live app is sick you get three hours of free preview essentially of game coverage so on sunday night was watching a show and was able to keep an eye on on florida oral roberts and houston ruckers and it was it was really cool so make sure you're utilizing that for when the games pick back up this weekend all right without further ado it's time to talk to charlie potter the college football daily will be right back Charlie Potter joins us right now. Charlie, in a normal year, in a non-pandemic year, I imagine covering an Alabama Pro Day is pretty fun. It will be different this year. You're in the, the heat of March Madness, and of course, I would imagine there's a, a heavy virtual component, if not 100%. What is it usually like going to an Alabama Pro Day with, I would imagine, every single NFL team and Nick Saban triumphantly walking around talking to Bill Belichick? You know, it's funny that you say that because I remember my first pro day covering Alabama. I was really excited about it. Uh, I was actually a student still. And, you know, someone that just enjoys the NFL in general, I don't have a favorite team, but, you know, on Sunday, I just sit in front of the TV and, and watch all the games. I was super excited to, like you said, see just an army of NFL personnel. It's basically just like an I spy book. If, if people remember what those are like to, to find NFL head coaches, GMs, like you said, you can usually see Bill Belichick somewhere. 
uh, remaining about, but uh, you quickly learn that it's not a lot of fun because you're basically as a reporter uh, behind a rope and you don't get really any access to like the the numbers or anything. The only thing we can really hear are the long jumps, the broad jumps. And then they just kind of start to, to meander away from us. And you know, you'll get player interviews. Um, most of the time, those guys are pretty happy to see us because we're recognizable faces after they've just seen, you know, face after face after face from the NFL level. And of course, you usually hear from Nick Saban, but it's a lot of just standing inside the indoor facility and uh, waiting for an interview because it is it is a little ridiculous that, you know, having been there all day, you don't get any kind of results or anything. But you know, this year should be different. It should be fun to actually see it on tv and and you'll know, get some of those results but it'll be different for sure but I, I think you know just like with anything when you're doing your job it becomes just a job and with pro day i, I just remember being so excited about it now it's just ah, here comes pro day yeah no I, I can understand that it's probably a better experience on tv when you look at today's alabama pro day Checking out the CBS Sports mock draft, if you got like, you know, there's hundreds of mock drafts everywhere. It seems to be Alabama's settling in on five to six first rounders Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, Patrick Sertan, Mac Jones, Christian Barmore, and then Najee Harris. If the NFL teams are inclined to take a running back of those guys, is there somebody who you think can help themselves the most with a good pro day, Charlie? I'm going to definitely for- ask you about any sleepers who are going to surprise us um, outside of that, that course six, but. Uh, who do you have your eye on? Yeah, just the the guys that are in that first round mix. Um, yeah, I don't know how much more Mac Jones can do just because, you know, the season that he had, what he was able to do in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, even though he didn't play in the game. I mean, he's a guy that's just seen his stock soar. And right now, you know, Mel Copper Jr. said it best. I asked him about this on a teleconference, but he's looking to maintain his draft position at this point. But, you know, other guys, I think the the guys on the back end and Barmore and, and Najee Harris, if they have a strong pro day, they could solidify themselves as first round draft picks because they're not as consistent in those mock drafts as, say, the wide receivers and Mac Jones and, and Patrick Sertan, the corner. So I think the guys on the back end, if they go out and have strong days, that's going to be very beneficial for them. You know, a guy like Devontae Smith, I mean, there's a bunch of questions about you know just his size i think people seeing him in person and seeing what he can do could benefit him a little bit i mean he's still a guy that's been pretty much consistently mentioned right there in the top 10 to 15 picks but you know, the i think the concern about him is just uh, size and durability but getting eyes on him getting feet on the ground in person i think could be a benefit for smitty will mac jones be throwing i believe so you know the Good. thing that kind of helped him not helped him but kept him out of the the senior bowl the game at least is he tweaked his ankle and that's, you know, been a couple months now. So I would imagine that Mac Jones is going through everything. We haven't heard the full details yet, but I'd be surprised if he's not. What advice would you give to NFL GMs torn over Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle? If they, if those were their two favorites and maybe it's Jamar Chase, but I mean, you had this predicament last year, Charlie, Henry Ruggs, Jerry, Judy, like how do you split the two, the two guys this year? That's tough because I mean, Devontae's, the complete package. I mean, he's a guy that's been slept on his entire career and he had the best single season of an, for an Alabama receiver in, in program history. And there's been some damn good ones to come through Tuscaloosa. But you know, Jalen Waddle, before his injury and uh, going into the season even, I mean, he was regarded as the most electric player in, in college football. And so it, it really, for me, I think with NFL teams comes down to need. You know, if you're a team like 
say the Eagles, you just need wide receiver help in general. I don't think you care who it is, but you know, maybe you have the luxury of already having an established number one receiver. Uh, do you need somebody in the slot to make plays to take some pressure off them? Because that's what Waddle could do. You know, with Devontae, he, he could probably play in the slot, but we've seen him more uh, split out wide in his career. So it's basically splitting hairs, really, at this point. You know, we've seen what Devontae Smith can do. He has super strong hands, tough as hell. And he can just he can do it all at the receiver position. But Jalen Waddle is that Tyreek Hill, that that speedster that can take the top off of a defense. And you know, you, you kind of see with you know, look at what the Raiders did with how high they drafted Henry Ruggs the third last year. I mean, teams are looking for that X factor, and, and that's exactly what Jalen Waddle can be for an NFL team. Najee Harris, his decision to come back last year, play his senior year, mirrored what Travis Etienne did at Clemson. How did Najee help his draft stock? Yeah, I think with Najee, I mean, obviously he was just the bell cow last year and he was just consistent. And with the running back, you want to see that. You don't want to see any kind of decline. And, and really, I mean, Najee had a, a better season as a senior. It seemed like he was scoring three touchdowns uh, each week. And you know, his his running style is just, he's a, he's a hard-nosed runner. I mean, obviously we can see what he can do from a hurdling aspect. So the athleticism is there. And he worked on his explosiveness in the offseason, and that's beneficial. But I think for, for Najee, what really helps him is what he was able to do as a receiver. And, you know, I, I go back to it wasn't this year, it was when we were doing uh, interviews in person. And somebody asked him, I, I believe it was during his junior year, about him as a receiver, if that was something he worked on or, you know, something that maybe was a part of his game that has improved. But he's kind of brushed it off. If you know Najee at all, it's just like, I've always been able to catch the ball. It's just now I'm getting an opportunity. So what he was able to do in the passing game, both as a receiver and a blocker, which I think is you know certainly something the NFL teams value, I think helped his draft stock. And you know he's, he's durable. He's dependable. I mean, he had one fumble in his career, and it was this past season. And a lot of people look back on that and, and argue that you know the, the play should have blown dead. I mean, it was... It was a situation I think Najee was pretty frustrated about. But I do think that he benefited from coming back for his senior year. And, you know, if he if there is a running back drafted in the first round, I wouldn't be surprised if 22 is the first guy off the board. Who outside of these six do you have the keenest eye on? Is it Dylan Moses? Is it Alex Leatherwood? I know Landon Dickerson's hurt. The thing about Alabama is it's the tire so deep that I'm sure that someone's just going to really look impressive on Tuesday and, and draft Twitter will be freaking out about them and, and we'll say, wow, uh, welcome to, welcome to college football. We've known about this guy for several years now. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it almost feels cheap to say this, but I, I do think that Dylan Moses fits that just because he's a guy that obviously last year didn't play up to his standard, you know, and then we we figured out in the postseason that he's a guy that after that Missouri game, which he looked really good in, was dealing with that injury. It was it was, it was painful for him, the, the knee injury he was coming back from. So I think a, a year removed from that and then having a couple months of time to just uh, focus on his body and, and everything, I think Dylan is a guy that could ha- be – much better in his second year removed from that injury. And that's the case with a lot of guys. Sometimes that if you, you tear up your knee, you know, you, you take a couple years to bounce back from. And hell, I mean, give credit to Dylan. He was able to play in all 13 games, was a quarterback of the defense, but you could just tell that something was off. So for him, if he can go out there and, and post some impressive times and, and look good and fluid through drills, I think that will certainly help him because you know at this point, I mean, he's a guy that was that we've been talking about as recruits since eighth grade. 
and was expecting a huge season out of him after he chose to come back a year after the injury. But if he can look like his old self, if he can look like the old Dylan Moses, then he's a guy that can see his draft stock soar and a guy that I think could have a, a really good NFL career. Speaking of Dylan, this is my last question. It's probably a dumb one, but Charlie, given the fact that Alabama seems to return guys out of nowhere, I was, I was thinking about Dylan Moses this past season when he didn't look totally right. I know he had already made the decision a year ago to, to return for his senior season and, and do his, you know, his rehab and whatever. I know that was rather surprising. Do you think given his play in 2020, he gave any thought to rehabbing and coming back and putting his full form on, on tape in college, or was he absolutely off to the NFL? I'm sure it crossed his mind a little bit. You know, most of the time when you ask Alabama players about their decisions, especially before the season's over, you're going to get the same stock answer. And that was the case with Dylan. So that's, there's no surprise there. And I don't blame him for that. But I do think that once he made the decision to come back for this past 2020 season after missing 2019 with that injury, I think he was pretty set on turning pro because, you know, he would, if, if you look at just what he was listed out on the roster, I mean, he was a redshirt junior because he didn't play at all in 2019. He tore up his knee the week before the Duke game, the season opener for that 2019 season. And then he was listed as a senior all year long. They never even gave thought to, to listen him as a redshirt junior. It was kind of his last hurrah. And of course, he went through the senior day festivities. So I think with him, it was, you know, let's go back, play one more year and then turn pro. So maybe he gave a little bit of thought to it. But, you know, I think with Dylan Moses, you know, he's a guy that, you know, wanted to go out, show he was healthy. And even though he didn't look completely Right. I think, you know, he had his mind made up that he was probably going to turn pro after this year. Yeah. Rooting for him to have a great pro day on Tuesday. Charlie Potter. Thanks so much. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate Charlie joining me, making time to do that, to have that conversation. You can follow him on Twitter at Charlie Potter. He is the Alabama football and basketball beat reporter for Bama online, which is part of the 24 seven sports network covering Alabama. Like nobody else. Our producer is Lance Glenn. He's still reeling from Rutgers. The aforementioned Rutgers, absolutely brutal, heartbreaking, just demoralizing loss to Houston. And I'm Trey Scott. We'll talk to y'all on Wednesday for the next edition of the college football daily.